Boom! Good morning, good morning. On today's episode, I have special guest Monique Rhodes. Monique is a happiness strategist who teaches students and corporations around the world how to master their lives. She has spent the last 25 years studying the mind and its relationships to happiness and suffering. Over 70 universities and colleges use her program, The 10-Minute Mind. Her eight-week online course, The Happiness Baseline, has a 100% success rate in raising the mental wellness for every student who has completed it. Monique hosts the daily In Your Right Mind podcast, where she discusses how a series of small habits determine our well-being. Monique has collaborated with prominent spiritual teachers, including the Dalai Lama. On today's episode, we dive into choose a which is Monique's hidden edge for the disciplines she chooses. Have a listen. Welcome to your Hidden Edge podcast, where there's a belief that each and every one of us has a hidden edge, one that could unlock that next level of success in any area of life. Unfortunately, that edge is hidden, tucked away and buried deep underneath layers and layers. In this podcast, we'll uncover the hidden edge of high-performance leaders, executives, athletes, coaches, and authors to open your mind and stretch your frame of reality. If you know you want more, can do more, and be more, then this is the right podcast for you. Let's uncover your hidden edge. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited to have special guest Monique Rhodes on the show. Monique, welcome to the show. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am excited to dive in to your hidden edge and really expand on the topic. So let's get right to it. What's your hidden edge and how has that helped you in your success in life? Well, I have this little strategy, Jeff, that I call choose a plan. So a lot of people see me as a very disciplined person, which I am. You know, I wake up at five o'clock every morning. I meditate. I do other practices for about three hours before I start my day. Uh, I run my own business. I don't have anyone saying, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. I do it all myself, you know? And there's lots of other things that I do in my day that are, are really good for me. But I think often we get caught up when we're trying to do things that will make us well or make us happier or give us a better life. We have a tendency to think, oh, I have to be really disciplined. But discipline is a little bit like having a, you know, a parent who you think is going to beat you if you don't do it right or something like that. And we, we have a tendency to want to always rebel against that. So I instead like to call it choose a plan. I like to set things up in my life, Jeff, so that rather than, you know, making myself do things, I choose them. And so that choosing becomes a discipline. So I'm always very clear about, you know, let's say, for example, I get to the end of the day and I'm really tired and someone comes in with a nice big chocolate cookie. And I look at that and I think, that is going to feel so good. I'm going to love that. But if I can consciously think it through, I can understand that there's consequences to that. The consequences are going to be, I'm probably going to have a sugar crash and I probably am going to wake up tomorrow morning not feeling so well in my stomach and with some fatigue from it. That's what happens to my body. So then the choose a plan becomes really easy. It's not a discipline not to eat it. It's like, okay, what is the most painful thing? The most painful thing, if I think it through consciously, turns out to be eating that cookie. So I don't do it. 
And I think that often we forget that, you know, we're able to shift any of our habits if we're really clear about what is the pain that comes with what we're doing. Does this work for me? doesn't work for me to eat a, a chocolate cookie at the end of the day. I've got to promise you. I've experimented with it so many times. It doesn't work. But if I remember where is the most pain, we all want to be happier. We all don't want to have painful situations for ourselves. So if we can set things up to see that what we don't choose is more painful then we're able to make choices for ourselves in a much, much easier way. So for me, if I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, which isn't my ideal, but there's all these wonderful things that come from it. I get three hours to prepare my day before I start to work. So it means that I do all these wonderful things that start my day and I feel so good by the time I start work at eight o'clock. And it means that also I can finish my day a little bit earlier and have some of the afternoon to go and play sport and hang out with my friends and things like that. So then what appears to be painful is less painful than waking up tired, wake, not, not having this wonderful start to my day and not being able to hang out in the afternoons and do nice things. Does that make sense, Jeff? It, it does. And I, I love how, I mean, I think discipline Everybody thinks of that as a parent yelling at you or a coach is disciplining you and, and they kind of, to your point, rebel against it. They run away from it because it happened during childhood, right? And, and it happened when we were, uh, we were forming our beliefs and, and all these patterns. And when you hear discipline, I think everybody's gut reaction is like, oh, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be disciplined because it's got that negative connotation. So I love how you've, you've changed that to choose a plan. And I, I love creating your, your own words. That's, that's brilliant. And then just stepping in between that stimulus and response and choosing, Hey, and being conscious and intentional and like, Hey, where's the most pain? Because we're wired to run away from pain. So uh, I, I love that, that whole process. Where did that come about? Did that come about from trials and tribulations in your own life? How did you kind of come up with that? Yeah, I, you know, years ago, I read uh, Stephen Covey's, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. I read it actually when I was a teenager. Okay. And I was really blown away by um, the idea that he has on early, has early in the book of delaying gratification. And it helped me to start to think through if I could create really delicious gratifications for myself and do the hard stuff first, then I always had something to look forward to. And this got me starting to play with how do I get myself to do those difficult things? You know, because nobody, Jeff, wants to be told what to do. You know, we're a kid and we dream of the day, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave home and I'm going to show you all that I, I'm going to choose what I want for me. But often we don't choose it. We fall into cultural norms and cultural cycles. And as we can see at the moment in our world, we have a you know, cultural cycle of uh, incredible stress, depression, and anxiety, and overwhelm. And it's really important for us to think to ourselves, well, if most of the world is going through this and the statistics are just shocking as to where people are at, I've got to do things differently. I have to 
go against and swim upstream in comparison to what other, other people are doing. Because when I look at the results of everybody else, it's not looking good. So we have to start to see how can we work with ourselves. You know, we're faced with um, these highly addictive systems that are put in place by big companies to draw us into news cycles and social media cycles that really are deeply unsatisfying and create a lot of stress and anxiety. But it's difficult when the whole cultural norm is set up I walk out the door, I have a phone, there's notifications on, I'm connecting with people through these, uh, through this technology. It's very, very difficult to have a mature relationship with it when those cultural norms are taking us almost like a river down a particular way of being. Yeah, and I would say, you know, those cultural norms, we want to belong, we want to be a part of a tribe. So there, to your point, doing something different. And I have two sons, 14 and 12. And I always tell them like, you see the herd going one way, you better go the opposite way. Right. Because that's, that's the path to growth, but it's so difficult because we want to belong. We want to be connected. Um, so how do you balance the digital side of things with, I know you love to say happiness is a habit and let's dive into that as well. How do you balance being connected with building in happiness as a habit? to be really conscious of what works for you, like to sit down and, and, and look at your life and go, okay, you know, you know, sometimes Jeff, when someone will say to us, have a food diary, you sit down and you write what you ate. And then 20 minutes later, you write down how you feel so that you can start to see how is food affecting your body. I think this is a really smart thing to do also with technology is to, Sit down and get yourself on online for half an hour, an hour, whatever. How do you feel at the end of it? So that you can ask yourself the question, is this working for me? What is it that I'm working towards? If I want to be happier, does, do I feel really well and good when my attention is being taken by Instagram Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, Snapchat, right? Whatever it is. Do, do I feel good? Am I feeling well? And then do you might put a score between one and 10 with that. And then you might go and hang out with a friend for half an hour with no technology around. How does that feel? I'm going to go for a walk in, in nature. One of the best things you can do. Okay. How do I feel at the end of that? What if I go to the gym and do a workout? What if I get my guitar and just put some music on, sing along to it with my guitar for half an hour? How does that feel? So that you can start to see that you have a, a limit to your day. There's a limit to the amount of time that you have in your day. And if you want to be happy, you need to start to get conscious about what are the things that make me happier. I know that if I eat lots of sugar, I don't feel well and I get fat. That's it. It's cause and effect. I also know that if I spend a lot of time on my technology, I don't feel well. So I start to make different choices, even if they're hard. I have to dangle to myself and remind myself. But of course, this technology is very addictive. So you have to take some responsibility for yourself. For myself, because I know this work inside out and I know the effect of technology on our mental wellness. And I'm a total tech head. I love tech. 
absolutely adore it. So I'm not saying don't have a relationship with technology, but try and have a mature one. So there's no email on my phone at all, right? There are the only notifications that come through on my phone are WhatsApp and text message because I know that every single one of those is from someone that I love. And I know that when I get those notifications, I'm going to be excited. I have no news cycle on my phone, nothing. My phone is used for making calls, receiving WhatsApp and text messages, uh, Spotify when I'm in my car and, and podcasts uh, when I'm out hiking. And it's also used for GPS, right? Gotcha. That's it. Nothing else. So each piece of tech for me has a function, right? And I'm really, really clear about it. I, I, I sometimes I'm around people, Jeff, a, a lot who have all these ridiculous notifications coming through and they wonder why they are on medication for anxiety. Yep. I mean, I can tell you why, but it's so deeply addictive, particularly if you have like an ADHD brain, like there's a tendency to be drawn into keeping a lot of stimulus going to try and calm your brain down. So just really ask yourself those questions. Like how do, how do I feel and get to know yourself, get to know what's good for you just the same way that you would with food or exercise. You know, nobody wants to go to the gym. Let's be honest, right? But we do it because it feels so freaking good afterwards. That's where you need to start to see your relationship with technology. And I, I love that. And I love using tech and then being conscious and asking yourself your question, how do you feel? And, and it's ironic we're having this discussion because just last week I was kind of agitated and, and I was wondering what was going on. And I said, you know what? I was on social way too much for those two days. And since then, I have made a conscious effort to just be creating, putting content out there, obviously, for my business. And I feel happier from it. And it's amazing how that, that happens. And to your point, notifications. I mean, I've had my phone on do not disturb for probably four years now. It drives my wife nuts because I don't respond to her text message right away. But I say, call me if you need to. But when I'm around people and it's this constant ding to your point, it's, it's just overstimulating our minds and our brains and making us anxious and all these pieces. So I love tech, but we definitely need to put some parameters around it. And Jeff, it destroys our relationships as well. I mean, I think all of us know what it's like. We, we go out, let's say we go out to dinner with a friend and they, they check their phone. They take a text message. They take a phone call. There's a wonderful woman at MIT called Sherry Turkle, and, and her work is all around, you know, the, the changing and our relationships due to technology. And one of the, one of the uh, studies that they've done is that they've found that if you're in a conversation and there's a phone there, even if it's on silent, even if it's face down, if it's visible, there's a part of your brain that will always be on alert and know that at any moment the other person may be disturbed or you may be disturbed. And what it does is, is they've found that there is less deepening in conversation. 
So it means that we're having more superficial conversations with each other. But on top of that, if you're at dinner and somebody's there and their phone rings, the message that that person sends to you, whether you realize it consciously or not, you feel it inside yourself, is that phone call is more important than me. There's nothing worse than being with someone and feeling like something else is more important. This person doesn't want to fully be here with me. It's painful. And without realizing it, again, because it's a cultural norm, we accidentally tell each other, I, you're not important hmm. without realizing it. And, and now we're in a situation where people are disconnected and lonely. Mental health suffers greatly from lack of deep social connections. Stress and anxiety and depression come from it. Like it's all completely linked. Like we can hmm. see the correlation and the line really, really easily. So being aware of these things is so vital if we want to be well and happy. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that, uh, that work. I, I have heard that before, right? That if, if the phone is even just out and it's visible, there's a part of your mind that is not focusing on the conversation and, and the, the relationship, which is, is pretty incredible when you think about it. it definitely makes you think twice about having your phone out and visible, putting it away and, and actually spending time because, I see it everywhere. We don't have enough deep conversations and truly connect with people the way we used to. And, and tech definitely contributes to, uh, to that. So let's get into why happiness is a habit. I would love to have you dive into to that subject and maybe expand and give ways that, that people, now that we've kind of talked about the state of the, the world, how people can increase their happiness level. It's an interesting thought that happiness is a habit, Jeff, because we have a tendency to think that happiness comes from our external circumstances. So what we do is we try and manipulate and control our external circumstances, believing that we're going to be happier. When I meet the person of my dreams, I'll be happy. When my boss gives me a raise, when I've got that house, when I'm driving that pimping car, I'm going to be happy. And then what happens is is that we acquire those things and after a short period of time, our happiness levels drop back down to that baseline that we were at before. So we start chasing again. The other way we know that all of these things that we're led to believe will make us happy, power, status, fame, money don't work is as we look at how many people who have all of those things are unbelievably miserable. You know, Mm -hmm. some of the most powerful people in the world right now that pop into my mind are clearly so incredibly happy. I mean, unhappy. You can see it written all over their face. So then we have to start to think, well, okay, if the people who have all the things we're led to believe will make us happy aren't happy, then there's got to be something else. And what I discovered in my work was that Actually, it all comes down to how our mind is. And depending on how my mind is, is going to affect how I am. I can wake up in the morning, like this morning, it's pouring with rain, and I can be like, oh, my God. You know, I'm down here in Costa Rica, it's rainy season, and I can be, oh, another rainy day, you know? 
But the truth is, is that it's so beautiful in the rain. The rain is so beautiful. And there are so many parts of the world that I've lived in where it very rarely rains. So I really appreciate the rain. The only difference for me is my mindset. But it's more about where do I habitually go? If someone says something to me and I'm triggered, that is a a habit of my mind. So what I've seen through my years of studying this intensively is that by shifting the habits around how you work with your mind, you are able to shift the perception of your external circumstances. And when that shift happens, you feel happier, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all, instead of being from the outside in, it's actually from the inside out. If my mind is well, if my thoughts and emotions aren't running around completely out of control and I'm able to see the world differently, then I can actually master not only my mind but my whole life. So, you know, I'm not talking as someone who came through the world like a naturally happy person, you know. As a teenager and in my early 20s, I suffered hugely from depression, you know, like serious depression. And now I wake up every day, I'm happy. My, My days are full of so much joy and happiness. I know you can feel it from me. You know, this is Mm -hmm. how I am all the time consistently. So I know it's possible to shift yourself into this place. And I don't think most people realize that. I think that they think if I change my external circumstances, I may be able to make this work. But it's not that. So doing this internal work is the most powerful thing that you can do. What's, uh, what's a couple of things that people can start with if they're in this pattern, right? And if they're in this mindset of, hey, it's raining out and it's, it's shoulders hunch over, woe is me, right? Today's going to be a crappy day. What are a couple of things like low-hanging fruit that people can just do and start today to develop? And I know it's a much deeper process than, than what we're yeah, covering today. Yeah, sure. Look, I have this course called the Happiness Baseline. It's an eight-week course, and we take you through a series of shifting your habits to help you uh, to be happier. We have a 100% success rate. We measure people at the beginning with a Penn State University happiness inventory. We measure them at the end. Every person who completes raises their happiness levels. And the way that we're doing this is by looking at eight different areas where we need to change our our habitual patterns. But one of the first things, Jeff, is just getting to know yourself. And one of the most powerful ways that you can do this is have a meditation practice. I teach a meditation practice that's only 10 minutes a day. And I promise you, if you do it for 10 minutes a day for 30 days, you will see a change in yourself. You'll see I'm calmer, I'm happier, I'm more positive. My relationships are better. And only 10 minutes a day. Because the reason is this, Jeff. We are living with these minds that are completely out of control. Mm -hmm. They are reactive. They are panicking. They're worrying. They're trying to control and manipulate all the time. And every time we have an emotion or a thought, one of the first things we do is go to our technology to try and run away from it. 
So we need to build a relationship, not only with ourselves, but with our own minds. So that's one of the most powerful things that we can do. But also the, the, the lowest hanging fruit is to start with gratitude practices, but gratitude practices that are powerful, right? We do this in the first week of the happiness baseline. Within seven days, I see a shift in people. This is how I do my gratitude. We, we do a number of gratitude practices, but let me give you the most important one as the foundation for the eight-week course is that we write down five things that we're grateful for. Now, lots of people will say, well, yeah, I've done that practice before, but there's an important piece that you don't do. You write what you're grateful for, and then you write because. I can sit here and say I'm grateful that the sun is shining. I'm grateful that I have water coming out of the taps in my house, right? But when we start to look at the because, we start to emotionally connect into a whole different experience of why that is. I'm grateful that water comes out of my taps because I've lived in India for many years of my life where I've seen people going to the well and getting buckets of water and taking it home. What an extraordinary thing it is that I can turn on a faucet or a tap and there's water coming out. And suddenly that experience of gratitude is on steroids, right? Yep. And when we, when we think about it this way, then we can be, you know, sometimes people will say to me, I don't know what to be grateful for. Wow. Jeff, I'm grateful that we're having this conversation right now because I'm really enjoying it and it's, it's making me feel good. I'm grateful that I have the technology to talk to you in the States right now while I'm here in Costa Rica because it means that conversations like this can happen. Right. I've got a mug here beside me with water and I'm grateful that I've got fresh, clean water I can drink. I'm grateful I've got this mug. Like it's endless, mm. endless. And when we put ourselves in the role of a victim, which most of us do most of the time, we can turn that around instantly. Maybe there's someone during your day that really upsets you, you know, says something that you don't like. In that moment, think about something about them that you're grateful for and see that emotional state in you turn really, really quickly. Gratitude practices are incredible. They're so simple. And we don't actually realize how powerful they are. I, I, I love those meditation, gratitude. I love the because after to tie some deeper meaning to it. And I have my sons. I've actually meditated with them for the past three years before school. And they do it on the weekends themselves. And they gratitude journal. I'm going to add that because in there. That's a great, Beautiful. Uh, great piece. So Monique, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find you, look you up if they, if they want to learn more? Yeah, listen, we have a website called howhappyami.com. It's really great to come in and just do a quick quiz to see how happy are you. So you can get an idea of where are my happiness levels at. You might find you're fantastic, you're good, you're on it. But if you're not, then you can have a look at it and start to think, okay, you know, come listen to my podcast. I podcast every day and you're right, mine podcast. Or come and have a little explore of what I teach so that you can shift your happiness levels. Everybody deserves it, Jeff. Goodness me. Like, eh, we all deserve to be happy. Why, why on earth not? And I promise you, if I can do it, anyone can. There's nothing special or clever about me. I just studied 
and figured out the techniques to shift it. And I want to make it available to as many people as possible. So you can all wake up every day and be, you know, happy like I am with no drugs, nothing like that. It's just, this is just how it is. And I don't know. I often say if I wasn't me, I would be jealous of myself. And that is the truth. There you go. Love it. Thanks, Monique, for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to your Hidden Edge podcast. You are now part of the movement, part of a tribe who's on a mission to uncover their hidden edge. We are stronger together. So please share this. Show up with one person in your network that you want to help. Together, we can empower others and connected, we can make a dent in the universe.